Welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire Season 2. Where Christian and I, Gabriel, take a look at the 80s. The year, 1981. The Prince of Wales and Lady Diana Spencer ended months of speculation by announcing that they were getting married. The first computer mouse, quote, intended for use with a personal computer, unquote, was unveiled with the Xerox Star workstation, which seems kind of contradictory. It's a workstation. Uh, and Donkey Kong is released, marking the first Donkey Kong and Mario smash hit arcade game developed by Nintendo in Japan. Donkey Kong comes out in 1981. He's been slinging barrels ever since. And this is this is the the Donkey Kong that introduced Mario to the world, right? Yeah, yeah. This is that. Uh, I'm sure the uh, uh, the famous arcade. You know, he jumps and they all tilts around, and then he starts rolling them. Yeah. And our fearless plumber, who I wonder if he was intended as a plumber at this point, because there really wasn't clear in the arcade, I don't think. I don't think so. Started climbing his way up. Uh, I had that game on Commodore 64 as a kid. Jesus, Gabe. While the rest of us were playing Nintendo and Super Nintendo, you were on Commodore. <laughs> Just want to make sure we get that, that we, we understood that one correctly. Yeah, you, you do. Okay, just, uh, you know, just checking. Just checking. Only slightly behind the times. Hey, it was a personal computer. <laughs> you know what, though? I'll be honest with you. That's probably more than I had <laughs> when it came to a personal computer. I didn't get a personal computer till late 90s, early 2000s. No. Just for the record. And again, that was a that was a PC, to be exact, not like a laptop personal computer. Right, right, right. Well, the uh, the Commodore 64 was like a giant monitor. Some of them, I want to say, were inclusive with the, like, with the the actual computer parts kind of being in the base of the monitor, if I remember correctly. But I think ours had like a separate box, and then you had a five and a half inch floppy disk drive Jesus. that you had to use. Yep. And when you put the disk in, then you had to use the command prompts. The deal. The DOS? program. Basically, yeah. You know, like I'm telling you, I know that in elementary school, that's how we played. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? I remember that game. Greatest game ever. That um, was a really good game. I remember playing that game with a floppy disk and a computer, a computer, 1990, and this would have been 91, 92. So it must have been a gaming system that I thought was a computer. <laughs> now that you say that out loud, I I might have been playing a Commodore. <laughs> That's impressive. All right, cool. There you go. All right. Births. We got a few good ones uh, this episode. First up, Natalie Portman, uh, Israeli-American actress. She obviously is amazing. I mean, to start your career with Leon the Professional, end up in the Star Wars franchise, um, is just like her, like, I, I mean... She's done an insane, an insane amount of amazing movies. Uh, she's such a great actress. Yeah, no, she's been in a lot of stuff. And like, you know, she's in Star Wars universe, Marvel universe. 
Uh, oh, that's from, right. She is yeah. the Mighty Thor. I completely forgot. She's the Mighty Thor. Well, it's funny because uh, I read a little bit about um, uh, oh, what's his name, the director, and the Rock and Korg. Oh, uh, Taiki. Taiko Watiti. There you go. He, I, he's supposed to get a Star Wars project. I don't know if he actually has it yet or not, but he's supposed to get his own Star Wars movie, I think. Oh wow! And he was talking to somebody. And it was during this, the, you know, the newest Thor, like, production stuff. And he was talking to somebody. He's like, oh, yeah, you want to be in the, you know, in the Star Wars universe, too? And I think he also mentioned it to Natalie Portman, who had to remind him. She's like, I'm already in it. <laughs> and, and he told that story. He was like, I, I actually completely forgot that she was that she was in it. And so, so to my embarrassment, I offered her a, uh, a place. <laughs> That's actually very funny. Yeah. That's very good. Yeah, yeah no, story. Uh, wonderful actress. Oh, she's actually then, she's not, she's fairly young then, if you think about it. She's, yeah. She, that makes her, what, 41, 40? Uh, 41-ish, yeah, right around there. Nice. And she's got another 30 years worth of acting in her, so that's fantastic. And, you know, with the accomplishments already, I like. I mean, definitely look forward to seeing what she does. Yeah. In a somewhat related uh, movie-wise vein, we have Hayden Christensen, Canadian-American <laughs> actor. <laughs> <laughs> the Darth Vader to her Padme, if you will. So again, outside of outside of uh, of uh, of Star Wars, I think I tried watching that movie Jumper. Was it where he like was able to teleport? Yeah, I never watched it. <laughs> I I think I watched that. Other than that, uh, just seeing him again in the Obi Wan episodes, I like. It seems like uh, it seems like Star Wars was one of those like. It almost stunted his career to a certain extent. I, I think it might have. And it's funny because I know he catches a lot of flack for his portrayal of Anakin. Mm-hmm. But everything I've read around that seems to indicate that he played to his pr- acting prompts perfectly. Like he did exactly what they wanted him to do. So it was that was the character. So like, I mean, you can take issue with it if you want. But really, it's not his fault even a little bit, you know? So... That's uh, I do think it, it hampered though. Like I don't know if it tight like it typecast him as like a whiny adolescent or like what it did to him, but I other than that jumper one, like I don't even know what else he did. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, next up we have Paris Hilton, the... American model, heiress, and socialite. I was gonna say I think the first socialite I ever came across, where. It was different. I remember like being a teenager, I think, or late teens, when her name started popping up. And it was one of those first few times where somebody was being recognized for being rich, like famous rich, not like rich, rich. Like, you know, you knew Bill Gates, you knew those right. individuals. Like at the time, uh, what was the name of that guy that kept running for president because he was just loaded? Pierrot, Ron Pierrot or something? Oh, Ross Perot. Ross Perot. I knew like... Like, he kept running for president because he could afford it. The dude was a billionaire. Right. So, like, that was the type of money in the 90s where you would recognize, like, oh, that person's rich because they can do this. And I remember when she came into the scene, she was rich, and that made her famous in the scene. And that I think she was the first person that, I, that was ever recognized as famous for being rich, you know? Yeah, when you put it that way, I can't think of anyone prior. Like, it, she, it was sort of like the chicken and the egg, like... Yeah, you know, <laughs> she was, her her riches were her fame and vice versa. It wasn't like she was good at a thing, or had done a thing. 
or ran a company. Yeah. It was just there. She's just started getting, she's just started getting record. I, I think, was this around the time of like TMZ coming out too? Ooh, you think that's they probably, yeah, that would, that seems like that would line up real well. Because you figure she was the type of person that was hanging out with celebrities. So then if you start noticing the same person with a bunch of celebrities at a certain point, you have to find out who is that fucking person that keeps showing up with all these celebrities. Because yeah. if you think about it, Kim Kardashian was in her entourage, you know, so she's technically the Kardashian is a spinoff of the of the Hilton. <laughs> it was a spinoff series. <laughs> but yeah, but I, that's what I recall about her. Like, I, I don't again, like everything, everything she did afterwards to try to stay famous. Was it from the springboard having been having been? But again, it yeah. was it was never like she was never trying to get money. She was I mean, she's the heir, the heiress to the Hilton. I mean. Dude, you're rich for the rest. Your next three generations are rich, yeah. basically. The heiress to the, to the Paris fortune. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think she was one of the first. Uh, she was the first person I, that I ever recognized as like, oh, she's famous for just being famous. Like, almost like the Jaja Gabor of her time, I guess, of the 70s or 80s, right? Where I think she was just same, uh, but not not the same. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. So she's almost 40 or 41. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Next, we have uh, Rami Malek. Okay. I I, um, I tried watching Mr. Robot. Outside of that, I've only ever seen him in No Time to Die, the Bond one, and uh-huh. uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Those are the only two things I've seen him in. Those are the three things that I could name that he did. <laughs> um I haven't watched Mr. Robot, but my I brother tried. likes it. I tried six episodes in. I was like, this is, I can't, this is not going anywhere for me. My I brother tried. likes that one. Um, and then I saw him in the Bond movie because I saw the Bond movie. Mm-hmm. And I haven't yet seen Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, uh, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, apparently he was in Night at the Museum. He was the Egyptian uh, um, god. Or king or pharaoh. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, what else on here? Uh, the Little Things. That's from 2021. I don't know what that is. There's okay. the, I mean, I'm sure if we keep digging, but okay. Well, so we got the big ones, honestly, he, in this list. He does not look 41, by the way. He looks much no. younger. Wow, good for yeah. him. Uh, all right. Next up, we have uh, Frank Iero, American guitarist, My Chemical Romance. You know, I, didn't we have <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the bassist, Mikey Wade, didn't we have him last yeah, year? Yeah, we did. I mean, it seems like, I mean, okay, so I think, uh, wasn't the uh, the Elder Way uh, in the in like 78 or something? Yeah, I think so. So we're going to miss him, but we might catch the rest of the band, you know? That's funny. <laughs> On our way through. Okay, I mean, what 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 else can you say? It's a great band, a great guitarist. I mean, some of yeah. those, some of those uh, Mike Cam licks are ridiculous. And again, now that I now that I have seen them in person, I can say that like, like every band I think I've listened to, it's always more impressive in person, the musical work, you know. Question for you: Was this one of those bands that had extra members on stage to in order to play, or were that was it just them? Just curious. I didn't see any extras, you know. Okay. So unless they were hiding them real well, or unless they brought them out for only for parts. Okay. You know, I was I was juggling drinking and it's emo. You gotta you know 
Because I'm always, every time I go see a band, I'm always surprised when I see like two other people up there. Like certain people, certain bands you expect. Like when I see the Black Keys, I'm like, okay, it's not just two guys. Yep. Well aware. It's not just two guys. But when I saw Weezer, it's just the four of them. (laughs) When I saw Weezer, it's just the four of them. You know, like the, the, the guitarist plays like four different instruments in order to make all the sounds that they need. He's impressive. I'll say uh, the most impressive I think I've seen that you don't get extras was Tool. Oh, okay. Because the the similar the drummer has got like all, all the weird sounds and little boops and bops and like the you know other percussiony noise. Like he's doing all that stuff in real time. Yeah, because when I saw Green Day and he's drumming. When I saw Green Day, there was definitely uh, one or two extra people. And yeah, I was like, okay. yeah, Green Day had extra. I remember Which that. A, again, Metallica, with... Metallica's Metallica. I mean, you know, agree to disagree, game. <laughs> no, I just mean they don't have extra people oh, okay, on okay. stage. Okay, but I'm, I'm yeah. just saying, like, you know, just they're not doing extra really. I can't think of anything. Yeah, else. I was gonna say like it doesn't. They it, just have the basics covered really well. Yeah, good for it's kind of like uh, Keith Richards, right? He doesn't use pedals; just the same Keith Richards guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I think at a certain point you can get away with it if you were the first person to ever play guitar. Uh, all right. Uh, next, we have Serena Williams. Oh, okay. Didn't tennis we, professional? Didn't we talk about her sister? Like, or have we not? I think we did. Hang on. Let's. let's are check. they a, a year? Are they a year apart? That would not be too. Uh, yeah, nineteen eighty. Oh, okay. For wow. Venus. Yep. My God, that's impressive. I I have been meaning to watch that movie. Um, uh, Richard. King uh, Richard, yeah, yeah. was it Richard and I, or the King, oh, King Richard? Richard? King Richard, yeah. I have been meaning to watch that just to see, like you know. Apparently, they've they've talked very well about the performances, um, because I do, I am very interested in like how how you accomplish that, like yeah, how you do know, you become the greatest? Not just like two of them, yeah, <laughs> within the yeah. same family. It's ridiculous. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm very back curious. Up just in case. <laughs> He was serious about the about Wait, creating. Success. This is a terrible thing to say, but is that what Nick Cannon's doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man, he's gone beyond having a backup. He's gonna have a baseball team. Oh, uh, I thought you were gonna say no. He's just organ donors right there. He's gonna live. He's gonna live two hundred years. <laughs> no, I was not thinking spare parts. You took it in that direction. I was just thinking he could have a whole sports team or a franchise. I mean, nine for baseball, right? Um, mm-hmm. Was it six for basketball? I think so. Yeah, I think he does have a full team. It's yep. impressive. There we go. And again, he's got enough. He's probably got enough extra going on just in case there's not some talent where he needs it to be. Or spare parts. Uh, next, we have uh, Joel Zimmerman, Canadian DJ and producer, also known as Dead Mouse. I I know the name. I I don't know if I can. I, well, I know that I can't name a song, but I'm pretty sure I've heard. His music everywhere, right? Like that dude has to be has He's to prolific. be, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just gonna say if, that. If if you're in that genre and you're like a household name, then I I have to have heard you somewhere on the internet, out in public, somewhere. Somewhere. Not from going to a club or an event because I I haven't, but for sure we've heard something. I wonder what his most famous is. This is surprisingly hard. Well, I figured it'd be a Tom. Does this? Does it just put them in order? Didn't you just go to YouTube and the, the most watched one, the first? I guess that's that's you're the professional here. 
that seemed like the best way to do it, I suppose. Yeah. I just, I didn't go to YouTube. I just Googled like, what's the top song. I oh, I just went to, I would go to YouTube and just put his name and see what the, the most played song comes up or you, you'll get two options. The most played or the most recent. I think it's strobe. Um, okay. 61 million. Let's see what happens. Yeah. It's a 10 minute song though. I know. Right. I, I I'm going through the commercial right now. I was just going to listen to a blip of it and see if I understood any of it. Just gonna go ahead and skip ahead. Yeah, yeah. And I'll keep skipping. Okay, let's go to two minutes. Okay, let's go to three minutes. Oh, the beat's gonna drop. You sure? No. Four minutes. I'm no longer I'm no longer convinced I've ever heard a song of this. <laughs> Four minutes, uh, four and a half minutes. Five minutes. I don't think I know who Dim House is. Nope, I don't either. <laughs> There's got to be something that he's known for. <laughs> okay, 13 years ago, 62 million views. This is called uh, Ghost and Stuff featuring Rob Swire. Swear, swear. Skip to a minute. Okay, I'm gonna call it. Uh, I've never heard of Dead Mouse. Dead Mouse. Nope. But we know uh, he's like 41. All right. <laughs> uh, finally, for our jam-packed episode today, we have Britney Spears. 41 years old. My God, she's done a lot in 20, 30 years. Well, because she started with the Mickey Mouse Club in her teens, right? She did. She's a, one of those Disney. Prodigies. So 27 years in the business, probably, right? 27, yeah, 13, 12. Yeah, right in there. Damn, good for her. And you know what? I saw a documentary. I'm so glad that that thing is over. That um, Conservatorship, yeah. Yeah, because that made no sense uh, whatsoever. Like, I have no doubts that fame played its part. And it, it's got to affect you, especially from a young age. But it seems fairly obvious that that whole situation was she was being taken advantage of. Yeah. I think at a certain point, if you are able to maintain a business, um, maintain your career in, and, and, and continue to, 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 I mean, work actively, there's, it does not make any sense. Like, like not, not to, not to, um, bring this up, but Kanye, like that person looks like they need this, um, because of, of just, the way he's handling himself, it, it almost seems like there's something wrong with him, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, that, that would make sense to me. But the Britney thing made no sense, especially like how many attempts they've had at trying to remove, had to, to remove that from her to, to almost do that in your late thirties. It is insane. Yeah. But no, good for her, man. She like, I'm not even a fan of that type of music, but some of her music has crossed over Yeah. to my ears. 
and I have enjoyed some of her songs. Like not the early stuff. The early stuff was a little too teen boppy, like you know, uh, yeah, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys days. But like Toxic is a catchy, catchy ass song. Yeah, no, she definitely has a uh, talent. Yeah, yeah, and as, as she's a choreographer, like she's you know that too, that too. But yeah, okay, cool, Britney Spears. Yeah. All right. Let's let's get through the, some deaths here real quick. We have uh, Walter Knott. Eighteen eighty nine. Not an idea who he is. <laughs> I mean, you should. To nineteen eighty one. Uh, American farmer who created Knott's Berry Farm amusement park in California oh. and introduced the boysenberry to America. The boysenberry that's very popular in the Nordics? The very popular berry. Oh my god, that connects berry and Knott's last name. So this dude, really? So he must have gotten Charles Schultz early in the game because like, the peanuts have, have been... Ba- I mean... Knott's Berry Farms is basically the Peanuts uh, theme park, right? Yeah, yeah. That is very interesting. And he died in 1981, so he uh, he was how old? 91. Oh, what a hell of a life. Good for him. It doesn't him. say it here, but I would credit the berries. Yeah, yeah, or the nuts, you know. <laughs> or or the toil out in, out in the fields. Any of these things could be good for you. Wow, okay. Very cool. Next up, we have Omar Bradley from 1893 to 1981. Mm, I, uh, I gotta tell you, I have no idea who any of these people are. So, the reason... Okay, so Knott's Berry Farm, Southern California. That was an easy connection. Um, I, I've been there more than once, um, as well as knowing the brand very well. Right. Uh, Omar Bradley, I, am, I know the Bradley fighting vehicle... Ah, okay. Oh, interesting. Go on. Which, before reading about it, I assumed uh, he's got to be a uh, general, because that's what they name those things after. Sure enough, he is a World War II general, uh, uh, participated in the invasion of Normandy, uh, first chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff from 1949 to 53, Uh, died of a cardiac arrhythmia at the age of 88. Hell of a life. Good for him. 88 is a good year. That's a good amount of years to die. Yeah, that's a chunk, especially for someone who, uh, you know, lived through so the, much. Part of the yeah, lived through so much history. Part of that greatest generation. Uh, lastly, we have the one I know the least about, but at least there is some connection. William Holden. Okay, don't know Ni- idea. Nineteen eighteen through nineteen eighty-one, uh, American actor. Uh, so we have the Blue Knight, Sunset Boulevard. Sabrina, and then the only one that I recognize, which is The Bridge Over the River Kwai. Sabrina, I know because there was a remake in the 90s with Harrison Ford, so I went back to the original. Okay. Uh, Boulevard Nights, I also know, um, but not... Wait, the uh, Sunset Boulevard or The Blue Knight? Oh, Sunset Boulevard. I think I know Sunset Boulevard because it became a Broadway play also, right? Or like a Broadway musical? Okay. But no, I, again, I don't know the original. I just know the 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 term, the title. Um, yeah, no, no idea who he is. I couldn't tell you which person he was in uh, Bridge of the River Kwai because there was, you know, I think it was one of those ensemble cast type things. But um, of our deaths here, he slipped on a rug and bled to death at sixty three. 
I was about to ask, like, Gabe, you sure know how to pick these people uh, to highlight their deaths when none of us know. Even I, I'm like, I'm supposed to be the pop culture guy here. I'm like, who the hell is William Holden? But that's a hell of a death. Poor guy. I, it was it was the most shocking. Of the, you know, you got, you know, you've got uh, a cardiac arrhythmia. And then uh, we didn't even tell us. I mean, 91, it feels like it's description enough. Yeah, you died no, at 91 because you're 91 years yeah, old, I'm exactly. pretty sure. And, you know, I got to tell you, like, this is one of those, to me, this is a Hollywood death. And, and, and I say Hollywood oh, yeah. death in the sense where it is very common in Hollywood for old actors and actresses to have, have disappeared off the limelight and just kind of became very recluse. And, and um, it is not the first time you hear about somebody who passed and their body wasn't found till three, five or two months later because that's how they lived their lives. They went into obscurity and they stayed there. So yeah. to me, this is not far-fetched. This is something that you hear about in Hollywood where this this happens quite a bit. So I can only imagine. Did, did, he, did this person die in California? <laughs> oh, I, I, I would have to imagine he did. You know. Let's take a peek. Um, that, would be, that would be the way to make it the most Hollywood death, wouldn't it? Because you, you, you buy a home in the 1940s or 50s, you keep that Hollywood home, right? Until... <laughs> where, where do you think in California he was? Ooh, okay. Hang on. I'm going to take a guess. I'm going to say Pasadena. I'm going to guess Glendale or East Los Angeles. Those are all really good guesses. Santa Monica. Oh. Oh, wow. So he was. Wow. Okay, cool. Uh, the details here said he lacerated his forehead from slipping. It says he was intoxicated and he hit the bedside table. In his 60s. Yeah. Way to go, man. <laughs> he, was, he was slamming him back in his 60s. All right. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know who he is, but now I'm, after this, I'm going to have to look him up real quick. Um, hey, you know what? William Holden, here's a here's a, a drink for you. Cheers. Cheers indeed. Oh, do, oh I was going to say, can we, can we talk about a death that happened very recently? Um, Kevin Conroy passed away. For those of you who don't know the name, you'll know the voice. He became the voice of the animated Batman. And when I say not just the animated series, he like became the voice of Batman going forward until like, I mean, maybe 10 years ago, right? When like uh, different individuals started with like the Batman and the Brave and the Bold. It just started was, branching uh... out, right? He was in some of the video games until yeah. fairly recently, too. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that other people have taken the mantle, but he kept it. But I think yeah. others kept it for specific, like, projects. Uh, and then I think he kept it for the canon stuff, like the actual Batman stuff. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, uh, the, I mean, the animated series is still one of the, the, again, one of the best animated shows ever, one of the best Batman TV shows ever. And uh, and he was that voice. And it's an incredible, incredible uh thing that he left behind for everybody so i i uh i i did not want to miss the opportunity to call out that uh that you know we lost him uh you know again uh, these things happen just want to make sure we recognize him yeah no he uh it's it's got to be i i whenever somebody like that passes i always like wonder i mean with him it felt like it was fairly soon you know it wasn't he wasn't incredibly old but um I was wondering when you leave something so iconic behind. I wonder if, how much they think about what they're leaving, and 
if that's some comfort to people as they age, like, you know, thinking like there's, you know, you could, there's just this incredible work that people will know, you know, for at least a very long time. You know, I think he's one of those people who acknowledge the fact that, that uh, he was very proud of what he did. And, and I think the fact that every interview I ever saw him in, he was very much okay with people talking about a show that was 20, 30 years old uh, and, and what he did. And like, I don't think he was one of those guys that, that was, that was bad about it. Kind of like Mark Hamill, just not, not somebody who's going to shit on, on something like that and make it seem like it was a bad idea. No, no. Uh, he was always very much gracious about his role as Batman. I think that that made it that much more worth it. Like, um, and and again, like never a person that when he lost the gig to someone else to as the Batman, like never never said anything negative. I think that's very cool. Um, speaking of Mark Hamill, do you know Gabe? This is a little little fun fact. Do you know who did the vo- Who originally was cast as the voice of the Joker in the Batman animated TV show? I don't. Uh, I, I I don't think I've ever looked past Mark Hamill's iconic performance. So, this is going to surprise you, but Tim Curry was the original Joker. That's not. I don't think that's ever a guess you would have gotten out of me. So here's a here's a little clip. Oh, hey, Batman! You stink so bad. I can smell you from here. <laughs> pew. <laughs> got the insane laugh he does so what they what they said was like it was never because he was never cut out or released because he was not good for the role they said he played the he played the character dark he played it really well but it was just one of those things where they they hadn't completely figured out what that character was going to be so mm. it was not because he was doing it wrong it was just because they weren't sure where it was going to go but they even acknowledged that the first couple of episodes like Mark Hamill's trying to imitate Tim Curry's performance until Mark Hamill finds his own voice and is able to to do his version of the Joker. But they said that a lot of the first uh, the first uh, recordings of Mark Hamill uh, was was him almost sounding a lot like Tim Curry's version of it. But let's let's hear a little bit more. This is served hot, Batman. You're gonna melt just like a grilled cheese sandwich. When he came in, he was like, yeah, sure, let's see what that could be like. So Tim came with a natural theatrical sort of presence to his delivery, which was something we definitely wanted. We didn't want the Joker to be a bumbling, goofy idiot. He had to have some class to him. And then the dark side was completely second nature to Tim. And speaking of Kevin Conway, he was Joker-like terrifying and lock up the children and don't let them watch oh that's a joke right batman finally told a joke (laughs) tim was just like a little bit like a horror movie just for that batman so yeah imagine tim curry as a joker that's something that's very cool, man. I, I thought it was like, look, you know, like when when um, when Kevin passed away, I, I started like, you know, looking at some old interviews and that came up and I'm like, how did I not know this? Like, I love that show. I never knew Tim Curry. Like, not only that, but he actually did a full episode. They had to do a, an entire, you know, pilot with his voice. Huh. So they had him for a full episode and, and, uh, and you know, I guess they didn't go in that direction. Wild. Right? 
All right. Uh, back to the regularly scheduled program. And on to movies. Uh, let's start with a bang. We've got Raiders of the Lost Ark. <sighs> released June 12th, 1981. Uh, with a budget of $20 million. Uh, what do you think it got at the box office? Okay. I feel like this was a fairly successful movie. And when you invest that much, you're also Steven Spielberg. You've already got a couple films under your belt. $187 million. $389.9 <laughs> million. Jesus. It was, it, was, it was a pretty successful film. Dude. By the way, 1981, that means you multiply that times three, right? Something <laughs> like that, yeah. Inflation. For, for, yeah. Yep, for, for the old dollar. Uh, and oh, so this uh, uh, this is the the this is the to me the classic Indian Jones. This is the first one I saw. Yep. Yep. The first one in the original trilogy, uh, establishing our character there. Uh, Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. Uh, we had Karen Allen as Marion Ravenwood. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just classic Nazi fighting. And you know what? I, when you actually the the way. You said that it made perfect sense because I was thinking of like why I like this movie above the other two. Oh, what's it, that's mean to say above the other three? <laughs> Forgot. Soon to be, soon to be uh, the other uh, four. four. Yeah, but um, Temple of Doom is a is a specific uh, um, episode in his yep. in his days, right? And then um, uh, the Last Crusade again a specific uh, episode in his life, but it seems like Raiders of the Lost Ark was a, like a, like a montage of his, of his uh, adventures. And I think, mm-hmm. and I think that that gave you the opportunity to tell so many different stories about him because you built his character up so well that you're like, Oh no, this guy could be in any scenario. Well, what about in a, in a temple of doom? Well, what about like, you know, searching, like that leads to all those different stories, and that first one was done so well, and and if you think about it, like so many other um, components to this, because you know, like you you had, I think was it um the one with with Kirk Douglas, not Kirk Douglas, Michael Douglas, uh, um, something about the Jewel of the Nile. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like there was there were spinoffs. You know, people trying to do the same thing, but yeah, there was things in that genre that yeah. people were trying to capture. And I don't none none of them ever did as well. I I would no. Can't imagine. And, and look, and, and honestly, look, Harrison Ford, uh, Indiana Jones is Han Solo. It's the same person except once in space and once yeah. in <laughs> once in nineteen forties yeah. Nazi. It's just Harrison Ford, it's really. Just, I'm pretty sure at this point, <laughs> we've seen Harrison Ford for you know, time. But but the storytelling, the the you know the story itself, um, the characters, I can just. Uh, you know the cinematography at it's a it's a wonderful wonderful movie fun and and yeah no it's uh oh man i can't say enough good things about that movie next uh another big one we have superman 2 <sighs> now go on sorry i don't want to cut you off so there's there is a release window is interesting so it released december 4th 1980 in australia but it was april uh and june in the united kingdom united states respectively where it matters Yep, uh, and the budget for that fifty four million. Oh my God, really? Yep, it's, it's that flying man. When you got to make a man fly, it costs money. And a uh, box office take of one hundred and ninety point four million dollars. They only doubled their money. Oof. 
There, there are no Raiders of the Lost Ark. I will say this: of the four original Superman movies, Part Two was the best one, in my opinion. I want to say that I, I've seen them, and this is the most memorable to me. Yeah, because the first like, one you I get, remember Zod. Yeah, because I was going to say the first one you remember him being introduced, a helicopter, like you know he is Superman and stuff like that. Part three, you forget because of the whole he's fighting a computer and Richard Pryor's in it. I didn't remember that at all. Part four, he's fighting the made-up non-comic book character that is the equivalent of him. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, forgettable. But part two, like, yes, the other Pink. Kryptonians that he that he fights. And, yes, General Zod. No, it's a, it is the best one. Although I think everybody and their mothers has the same problem I do. What was that S that he threw from his chest to, to one of the Yeah, like the, the shrink wrap S <laughs> yes, or whatever it was? Yes. Yeah. What the hell was that? That's a cool power. How do you do that? <laughs> yep. I don't know. I don't no, know. Yeah, that's that's the only thing about that movie. Let's be honest. Uh, but no, it's a great movie, though. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. 81. Okay. Uh, next, we have Clash of the Titans. Another movie that's seen a more modern remake. Uh, June 12th, 1981. Uh, a budget of nine. It has a range. It said nine like to 15 million. I believe that because half that movie is claymation and animatronics. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, box office take of 70 million. Oh, goodness. That made technically made more money uh, than uh, Superman. Proportionally. Yep. <laughs> I think that's a that's a that, that I remember watching that in in uh, in school like in elementary school and thoroughly enjoying it because they were you know we were going through the mythology and the Greeks and everything and I remember the teachers thought that was a good movie to show us about so we could learn about Perseus and Medusa and everything like that and we're like all right cool yeah I've always had a soft spot um for claymation like you know stop motion stuff that they did uh from you know childhood things and this is one of them like i remember i remember seeing it i remember the various you know you know i, I keep wanting to say call it cgi it's, it's not cgi it's you know unless that's clay instead of computer generated clay generated images cgi clay generated images <laughs> yeah so uh it it sticks though and there's something charming about that style i want to say oh, yeah. that i love to this day for sure it makes it tangible next up we have the great muppet caper Released June 26, 1981. Uh, a budget of $14 million. And it earned $31.2 million. Oh. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this. I've always been a fan of the Muppets. Yep. Uh, I think the Muppet TV show is fantastic. I have little Muppet mini Lego figurines here, okay? Like, I'm a Muppet fan. Um, Muppet Babies. Oh, I used to love that cartoon. The movies were fun. I, I, it, but I, I put them up there with the peanuts. Like you know, they're they're gonna last forever. I watch Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah, every, exactly. Every I was year, say, seasonally, it, it's one of those things where you're like you're gonna be watching the Muppets for the rest of your life because that's what they did. So, I feel like their, I feel like their audience was television and movies were. Yeah, movies were for the fans. They were not for everybody. It's it's kind of like when you know, like South Park made a movie. You know, like. It's, yeah. for the, it's for the fans. It's not for everybody else. It's for the fans. Like, we we wanted that. We 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 weren't expecting everyone else to show up. 
So I will say that. I think those are, that was a fun movie, The Great Muppet. That's Game fair. Poster. Yeah. And I, I think I, I want to say that of the Muppet movies, this was, at least at the time, the least successful one to release and was kind of critically panned a bit as sort of being formulaic and generic. And again, I, I think I think it's exactly what you said. People that wanted to see Muppets wanted to see them in various situations. And, it you know, that's what it was for. It wasn't necessarily to be the broadest box office. Gabe, uh, favorite Muppet? Oh, Animal. Really? I think so, yeah. I like his energy. I didn't see that one coming. I'm not going to lie. Huh. Okay. All right. What about you? I have a the the biggest soft spot for Fozzie Bear. Fozzie that, Bear is a good one. That struggling comedian, that waka waka waka. Like, as much as I love Gonzo... Fozzie's like the 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 little you know the hat and the and the and the tie it's uh, it's it, it is a it, you can see who that character is based on what he what he looks like somebody and knew someone yes exactly that is a real person I can't see that in in Kermit I can't see that in Gonzo but when I look at Fozzie Bear that is a real person it's almost like uh gruff the dog well no not rough rough the dog Ralph the dog you're like that's a real person. That's that's you know Ray Charles if he could see. That's Stevie Wonder if he could see. Like, I you know I I think of that, and and Fozzie Bear. I look at him and I'm like, who of the old comedians is he? Because he is real. He's a real person. Honorable mention to Beaker. Oh yeah, Beaker's pretty awesome too. <laughs> but yeah, okay. All right. Lastly, we have for your eyes only. June 24th, 1981, uh, in the United Kingdom, and 26th of June in the United States. Okay. Uh, Bond, obviously. Middle Bond, not Connery, right? Uh, no, it's Roger Moore. This is Roger Moore Bond. Second best Bond. Or Okay, let me say this. Second longest uh, running Bond. I don't know about who's better. It's fair. Uh, it's a subject of debate. Do you know who happened to be the bad guy in this film, by the way? Oh, you know, there's always one really good bad guy. Yeah, uh, I put my little synopsis here. Hang on. Let's see. I mean, the Russians are generally the bad guys. So let's see. <laughs> but there's always one specific bad guy. There right? is one specific. I, I paid attention to the Bond girl. I did not pay attention to the bad guy. The Bond girl was Melina uh-huh. Havelock. I have not heard of her. I, I've recognized the name and I'm sure I've seen this particular Bond, but. I uh, I couldn't picture her just from hearing the name. I, I don't know if that became a thing later on, but every Bond movie had like the bad guy, but there was always a henchman that had some like specifics like thing that they did, right? Like yeah, you had your your um, odd job jaws and odd job, yeah, yeah, and you know, and I can think of like what well, okay, well maybe not then, maybe not. Okay. I feel like it, maybe this was just a less memorable uh... maybe. Okay. Yeah, because I don't remember the plot. Yeah, don't. I, I recognize the woman, the Bond girl's name. Don't. Doesn't stick out otherwise. Okay. So this one uh, had a budget of $28 million and gross to the box office $195.3 million. Damn, dude. Bond movies have always done well, huh? Jesus. Yeah, they're just, you know, people are going to go see them. They are. All right. Uh, for first appearances, we have Sam Raimi. Yeah, Evil Dead director, yeah. We probably could have used him in the first episode. 
<laughs> a more professional podcast might have, but we're here for the curveballs. We're here for You'll the jokes, know. people. We're here for the jokes. <laughs> uh, and uh, Phil Collins. Ooh, okay. This is pre-Genesis, right? Uh, has to be, right? Yeah, because I think he joined, I... he joined Genesis and replaced somebody. But yeah, Phil Collins. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. You know, somebody I was I was listening to a podcast and um a rapper said a term that I had not heard before. I have heard of of um blue-eyed soul. Have you ever heard that term? No. So, blue-eyed soul is considered a white person that can sing soul music that black people can respect, right? Okay. And then he mentioned another category called white heat. And it's it's music by a white singer that black people find as fire, you know? So I was like, white heat? Who do, who's considered as white heat? And they were like, Phil Collins is white heat. You know, like, in the air tonight, like, white and black people can, can get down with, with, yeah. So basically, yeah, exactly. That's what it is. I was like, I am going to, again, like the you know, the kid in me is like, I want a white hit, like, you know, playlist. <laughs> I mean, you got to think Eminem, right? Well, but that's the thing, though, right? That's that's obvious. That's he's a rapper, right? But it, it, it's like Hall he's of... also so good that you got to respect him. Yeah, but it, but it, but the, the reason, actually, thank you for bringing that up. The reason that the conversation came up was because um, this uh, this rapper considered the cranberries white heat, and uh, they were like, "Really?" They're like, "Yeah." I mean, he's like, you know, Eminem sampled uh, Zombie. And you're like, and only Eminem could have, and every rapper was, yeah, that makes sense. Like, because cranberries are white heat, so they make sense that you would sample them. And you're like, so I was like, oh, I want a white heat, white heat playlist. That should be something for us to, you know, like, because and, I, and again, like, I I don't know enough of it, and I, maybe I'm 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 ignorant. When I thought of white heat, I was like, it is songs that black people can like dig. That aren't necessarily for that, you know, like for that yeah. for, in that genre of music, and you're like, so it has to be somebody that can that can cross over, and yeah, and, yeah. and again, when they said Phil Collins, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, no, that, and I was like, it, the definition just like clicked. I was like, oh, okay, Hall of Notes, boom, <laughs> just uh, you know, like that that just makes sense. That's perfect. Okay, good. I, I completely get it now. But I, now I want a professional White Heat playlist. Uh, because that's gonna make sense to me. So anyway, yeah, I thought that was that was funny. So right now that you mentioned Phil Collins, I this week I just found out about that term, and uh, and I'm all about it. <laughs> all right, awesome. Well, that's uh, that's gonna transition us right into something old, something new. Fantastic. I actually, before you go, I I only have this week one thing that I I found, um, that I recommend. It is. A TV show called Reboot on Disney Plus. Ooh. Yeah, I so two shows I tried watching this week, right? I tried watching, and this one actually because of you, Gabe. With unintentionally, you put this idea in my head. But Netflix released a TV show called Blockbuster, and the premise is yes, the last Blockbuster. You know, the, basically the pilot is the, the they find out how that, how ironic <laughs> Netflix. So, <laughs> They're flexing now. I didn't put that together. <laughs> yeah. Who's laughing now? 
Oh, not only did we take you down, we get to rewrite your history, bitches. <laughs> and make game views off of it. Oh, shit. That's a Respect. flex. That is a flex. Um, so, yeah, so I saw that, that was available. And I thought, oh, is this, this going to be about the Anchorage? <laughs> you know, like a, a blockbuster? But no, it's a fictional blockbuster in, like, Michigan. And it's a comedy sitcom so I started watching it, and the first episode, I was like, okay, I don't know where this is going. Then I gave it episode two, and I was like, okay, no, this is not good. It's not good at all. So I stopped. Just for the record, I just wanted to do that. But the other show that I started watching uh, that I had that had been on my list, because I, I, you know, because it, it just seemed interesting, was a, a show called Reboot, and it's on Disney+. Plus. And did, did you ever watch Step by Step? I don't think so. Okay, but in in the vein of like step by step, family matters, or Full House, those okay. type of corny like you know nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties TV shows. So what this show is, um, a new screenwriter uh, pitches rebooting an old TV show like that, but for modern times, more grittier and things like that. It's still a comedy. It's a single camera uh, comedy. Uh, it's got uh, Michael Key, Michael Keegan Key, Michael, oof, Keegan Michael Key. There you go. <laughs> I did it the other way around. That's the right order. Uh, Johnny Knoxville um, and uh, Paul. Now that you mentioned that, that I remember reading a blurb about that though, because the premise was funny. Like that was an interesting premise, and I saw some of the names that were involved and thought, well, that might be good. Paul Reiser. Um. It's it's actually really really good. I watch and it's one of those things where I watched the first episode. I was like, okay, I laughed. I want to keep watching, and I watched all four episodes that are available. They're doing that once a week release, unlike Netflix that just dumped all of Blockbuster on us, and now we're like, we don't want it. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's the only thing I've watched this week that I, I recommend. It was so much fun to watch. It was a, nice to find a new TV show like that. So that's my that's my something old, something new for the week. I uh, I really embodied the something old uh, during the something new time frame because in some of the, the downtime I had the past week, I started, let's see, I can't even remember exactly how long ago it was. It's not that long. It's probably within the last year and a half. I started watching The Simpsons from the beginning. Oh, really? Yeah. I th- That was a show that was absolutely forbidden to me growing up. And... My dad watched it, but he, he, that was his time. He went to the office and watched it and we weren't allowed. That wasn't, we weren't allowed to watch it. And I don't know if that was just resultant of like imitating like Bart being a bad kid, you know, because I know that was one of the common arguments that people made is like, ah, they're glorifying being misbehaving on, you know, on our network television, El, on our Christian network television. El and, Barto. Uh, El Barto. Yep, El Barto. <laughs> and honestly, I have to say, uh, like I'm only in season like three now. I have to say that there's a lot of heartwarming stuff. Like, yeah, they do the over-the-top, you know, like, silly violence and stuff. But, like, you're telling me Looney Tunes wasn't, like, blowing people up and, like, shooting people and, you know, dropping them off cliffs or anvils on their heads. So it's only, like, a step removed violence-wise. And, like, there's a pretty heartwarming storylines in there, you know, some lessons learned. So uh, I am enjoying it, and I'm making sure to watch uh, at least the first and, like, last part of the intro – as I go, because it's different, right? He's writing something different on the board. There's different mm-hmm. couch gags. So I'm trying to get the full experience. 
as I move through. So uh, I have a long way to go. I was going to say, <laughs> I've been watching The Clone Wars for, I think, a year, Gabe. <laughs> and that's only seven seasons, I believe. And I am still on season six. There's like 22 episodes per season. This is a very long endeavor, and I wish you well, my friend. Godspeed. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an undertaking, and uh, now, I do it in, in blocks. I will say this. There will be a time when El Barto, Bartman, when he is at his peak, you you have to you have to do further investigation because you will find that Bartman had a rap song. Oh. Yeah. He there's an alter ego where he had a is rap. Is he Yellow Heat? Oh, that's I don't want to go there because I feel like other people deserve that title. <laughs> um, but yeah, he had a music video and everything, dude. Like he had a, a, a an album. Just want to put it out there. When you get to that that point, there's you're gonna All have right. to veer off and do a little research because I remember being a kid and the Bartman video of being like being a a Sunday night premiere event on Fox. Oof. Yeah. Uh, a couple right. a couple things did premieres on Fox on Sundays and it was Michael Jackson's uh Black or White his mini movie in the in the late 90s when when the history album came out or whichever album came out um he had events dude where people were waiting for the premiere of his music video that ended up being like a little mini movies like shorts like 7 minutes oh, to 10 minute movies um and uh, yeah, Michael Jackson was a thing in the '90s, bro. I, I even that got through even to me. Yeah, but I remember, I remember, like, I remember Black or White and one other one where they premiered him, and you were waiting. So anyway, when you get to Bartman, El Barto, there is a rap music video and a rap album that was done for The Simpsons. Just so you're aware, I'm, I'm a. I'm very happy that you're doing this. I saw the first, I believe, the ten, first 10 seasons, and then I periodically cut up. I watched the movie. I love the movie. The movie's one of my favorite things about The Simpsons. I still catch episodes here and there, and they still hold up. They are still one of the funniest TV shows on the planet. I, I will never, ever get tired of The Simpsons. I think I think that in that in that same category, I put like Family Guy and Bob's Burgers. I think that they could make TV shows for until the day that I die, and I will be happy with the the output that they have. They're, they're just... They captured something. They did. They did. Um, and I think those first couple seasons, um, Conan O'Brien was still writing for The Simpsons, right? I think so. Yeah. So, you, yeah, no, you got to go. And you know what? Fun fact. Uh, I remember watching The Simpsons on the Tracy Ullman show back in the back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, so I go back to those days with the Simpsons. Uh, so I'm, 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 I'm ecstatic. I'm, I'm happy for you that you're going through that, that, uh, experience because you're going to see the animation change. You're going to see the characters grow. You're going to see characters die. It's I'm excited for that. I know it's, it's, it, it, it lasted long enough that, that there's a certain amount of realism that crept in, even though everyone stays fairly static in their situations as and, a sitcom. And you get to watch the. The Treehouse of uh, Horrors. Treehouse of Horror. I just got through the season three one, and it was uh, it was real good. When 
Yeah, no. I, I still remember. One of my favorite ones is still the Raven one. Because I'm a huge Edgar Allan Poe fan. The Raven one where Bart is the Raven is, is one of my favorites I've ever seen. I don't think I've gotten that one yet. We had zombies in this last one. It was one of them. It was uh, the shorts. That's nice. We had the... Um, that was the that was the pet cemetery the cemetery kind of thing. Okay. We did the cemetery, and yeah, spell book. Oh, nice, okay. dude. That's a good one. That's a good uh, something old, something new. Yeah. All right. That's the only interesting thing I think I did though. That's that's very nice. Very nice. <laughs> All right. With that said, we will see you next week. Another episode of Pop Culture Hangfire. Don't forget find us on at Pop Culture Hangfire Instagram. Love you all. Bye.